Joining us now on the Morning Blitz is national college football writer for 24-7 Sports, Chris Hummer. Chris, we are going to run through the big matchups from this weekend's college football game. Starting with Monday's action, we've got number 20 Virginia Tech at number 19 FSU. The Seminoles favored by seven in this one. What are you thinking headed into this game? Yeah, I really like Florida State here for a couple of reasons. One, I just think Florida State's being a little undervalued. People see that season last year at 7-6 and six and probably think, what the hell happened to Florida State? I kind of wonder the same, but there's no doubt there's talent there. They have one of the better secondary groups in the country. They have one of the better running back groups in the country. You're going to see a lot of explosive plays in Willie Taggart's system if that offensive line can kind of step up a bit. And uh, Virginia Tech, on the other hand, is losing just frankly a ton. That defense is pretty decimated by uh, the NFL draft and graduation. They lost two first-round picks on that side of the ball, plus another high-round guy on the defensive line. I know Bud Foster is a genius in a lot of ways when it comes to defensive football and scheming it up, and I don't really love betting against them, but I just really like Florida State at home in this game. Yeah, doubt Bud Foster at your own peril, but I thought Barton Simmons made a great point on the 24-7 Sports CFB show presented by Dr. Pepper uh, over on Facebook. Is that, <laughs> Get that uh, plug in. Yeah, FSU might just really be benefiting from uh, catching Virginia Tech early here because you know you never really want to count out Bud Foster, and you imagine that this defense will be humming by the end of the season. But week one, with all that turnover, maybe not so much. Uh, one thing in Virginia Tech's favor that maybe is not getting quite enough attention, in my opinion, is that Justin Fuente, for the first time since he arrived in Blacksburg, has the same quarterback coming over into year two from the previous year. So maybe having Josh Jackson back gives them a little bit of an extra boost. Uh, Moving on to Sunday, uh, we've got number eight Miami, a three and a half point favorite against number 25 LSU at AT AT&T Stadium. Chris, what are you thinking in this one? Yeah, I'm excited for this game. I'll be in Arlington for that one, and a, a pre- er, week one game in Jerry World's always fun. But I have Miami right now by the slimmest of margins. I think I just know more about that team as a whole. And I think Malik Rozier is going to be much better heading into year two as a starter for him. I know there's been a lot of questions about him this off season, but the things I've heard out of Miami have been positive in their regards for him taking a step forward. Uh I think we're going to see the first uh, kind of steps of Joe Burrow transforming LSU's offense. I just don't know quite what to expect there. He could turn into a bit of a revelation, but for right now, that team is relying on so many transfers on both sides of the ball. I just think the continuity of Miami is going to make the difference in this one. Yeah, I I, th- I do think Miami is maybe in a spot where they're a little bit overrated and LSU is a little bit underrated. I don't know if that's necessarily going to translate into an upset here for LSU. Uh, but I, I do think Miami... I'm as much. I'm a big fan of the turnover chain, but I do think that their turnover rate ran a little bit too hot last year. And I know Miami or M- Manny Diaz likes his defenses to play real aggressive and force the opponent into making mistakes that lead to turnovers. But even in that context, uh, their fumble recovery rate uh, and the amount of defended passes that turned into interceptions was just a little unusual. And you would expect some regression to the mean. So maybe uh, the defense struggles. A a little bit more this year but like i said i i think i'm still going miami here but just big picture of the entire season i think maybe i'm selling my miami stock in the short term and then buy them up later because 
Mark Ricks, I think, is going to have this program a uh, consistent top 10 team, but I just think they're a little overrated at this particular point in time. Moving on to Saturday, number 14, Michigan, at number 12, Notre Dame. I don't really have a whole lot of the way in analysis to bring to the table on this one other than just to say whatever fan base loses this game is going to be absolutely freaking out. Yeah, you kind of you have to feel a little bad for Jim Harbaugh and Brian Kelly, right? Like, as bad as you can feel for two men making multi-million dollars a year <laughs> right. for coaching football. But they've been two of the more successful coaches in the country that everybody wants to put them on the hot seat. I don't think it was too long ago that Brian Kelly was in a national championship game. Alabama certainly won that game going away, but he got him there. That's something. And Jim Harbaugh was coaching in a Super Bowl not too long ago, and he's also the dude that made Stanford a national power. And I think people forget how bad Stanford was for a long time in the early 2000s and the late 90s. So these two guys know how to coach. Um, But in terms of this game, I think Brian Kelly is going to be dealing with a lot of heat afterwards. I think Michigan is one of the elite teams in the country this year. That defense is as good as it gets nationally. And I think Shea Patterson is really going to transform the way that Michigan offense functions. Uh, Michigan's biggest weakness going into the season is his offensive tackles, and Patterson with his ability to stretch the pocket is really going to mitigate a lot of that. I just, I'm really high on Michigan going into the year. I think they're going to win the Big Ten, and I've got Michigan winning this game by a pretty healthy margin on the road. Yeah, having watched that Michigan All or Nothing series on Amazon a little while ago, I kind of came away with the impression that Michigan like had a pretty decent plan on offense last year, but just the quarterback play was really holding them back. And with Shea Patterson in, even with Tariq Black being injured for the foreseeable future, I just think that's going to kick them into a higher gear. And even in South Bend, uh, they should win this one. Uh, if not, it will be craziness, Jim Harbaugh, hot seat. Even though I don't agree with that, people are sure going to be talking about it. Number six, Washington versus number nine, Auburn. Maybe the game of the weekend. Uh, uh, Auburn favored by two here at the Benz in Atlanta. Chris, who you got in this one? Uh, I've got Auburn making the rare feat of losing a game three times in a row in the same stadium at a neutral site. So they lost the... SEC championship game in Atlanta. They lost uh, the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, and now I've got them losing, opening the season with a loss against uh, Washington. I just think Washington's got an elite secondary. I think that defensive line is good enough to kind of contain Jared Stidham in that Auburn run game, especially one that Auburn's replacing a lot on the offensive line. I think they have to replace three starters, plus they have a new offensive line coach. And I also just really think people overlook Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin nationally, and I think Washington's going to be able to score enough to kind of come away with this one. Other games from around the country where we don't have ranked on ranked is uh, Ohio State at Oregon State. Ohio State should win this one by a lot, but obviously there are some other considerations why you might want to tune into this one. Ryan Day will be uh, the head coach for Ohio State in this one, and as we talked about earlier this week on the podcast, we're going to see some Tate Martell action. Um, how closely are you going to be watching this one? Is there any any reason to tune in apart from uh, coach and Tate drama? I mean, I don't even... How, where do you even start with Ohio State? I thought it was a pretty quiet offseason for them overall. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's worth at least checking in for a little while. I'm interested to see how Dwayne Askins looks like as a starter. Uh, Ohio State's winning this game. I don't think I'm really too worried about how Ryan Day fares in his first head coaching duties. Uh, he won't even be coaching the team 
on Monday in terms of practice and the schedule and all that. He's just kind of the guy holding that title for the next three weeks on the field uh, during game day. So, yeah, I'm interested in Haskins, and I'm interested to see how Ohio State responds, but this is going to be a going-away game for the uh, Buckeyes. We've got FAU traveling to Norman to play number 7 Oklahoma, and I'm not picking an FAU upset. I'm not even necessarily picking them to cover the spread. I'm just saying when you've got Lane Kiffin on a big stage like this, I'm tuning in. Yeah, I'll I'll be in Norman tomorrow for that game, and I'm very excited for it. I think and Lane Kiffin and Lincoln Riley, you have two of the five best offensive minds, offensive coordinators in the country. You're going to see some really special stuff in terms of schemes and formations. And just from a football perspective, it's going to be really fun. Then you throw in the fact that Kyler Murray, number nine overall pick in the MLB draft, is making his debut as an Oklahoma starter, and there's a lot to kind of watch. I really think, though, the thing that matters most to the college football playoff discussion and Oklahoma's place in it is how you see that defense perform. They had a lot of holes last year, as Georgia fans probably saw plenty of in the Rose Bowl that they've watched 17 times in the time since. So if Oklahoma can't hold up against FAU, they're going to have a really hard time holding up against the lead offenses in the Big 12. And this will be a pretty good litmus test for uh, Oklahoma in that regard. We've got number 23, Texas, traveling to FedEx Field to play Maryland. The Longhorns looking to right some wrongs. The Texas has had its coach in the headlines for reasons that would probably rather not, but not anything close to as bad as the headlines surrounding the Maryland program. So uh, a, an interesting sideshow to this one. But in terms of what we've got happening on the field, what are you expecting to see? I will. I would expect Texas to give up at least half the amount of points it did last year to Maryland. And now it's still 25 points for Maryland since they gave up 51 last year. But I think this is a pretty big game for Texas in terms of revenge, and they go out and win pretty comfortably by two touchdowns. I also, I also can't imagine what it's like from a Maryland perspective to try to play the season with everything that's going on off the field in terms of a death of a teammate, your head coach being suspended and kind of the emotions of all of that. So I've got Texas running away with this one uh, on Saturday. And at least in Ohio State's case, like they've got an end date on when they, they know what their head coach's punishment is and when that's going to be over. Now, and with Maryland's case, it's like, is is he going to be the head coach? Like, who knows at this point? Um, so that's not great to have that an uncertain question for them at this point in the season obviously the human considerations are also very important but just not addressed in the context of this college football picks podcast um number 17 (laughs) west virginia against uh tennessee in charlotte Tennessee has just been scheduling the most NASCAR out of conference schedule like imaginable between Virginia Tech at the at the Speedway was that last year or two years ago and then now West West Virginia wow. it's just man they're just going full redneck the volunteers sorry people from West Virginia and Virginia Tech but you know <laughs> what I mean <laughs> yeah well I think there's something to that I remember looking at arrest reports following that game against Virginia Tech last year, and there were record highs for the time period of the year with 100,000 people at that stadium, so I don't think it's uh, that unreasonable. But, I mean, we I think we all want to see if Jeremy Pruitt figured out what asparagus is as a head coach at this <laughs> point. Uh, I think we're very interested to see who trots out for Tennessee at quarterback. But at the same time, I, I think West Virginia is going to win this game. Will Gear's a Heisman contender for a reason. And I just don't see Tennessee being able to score enough in this one to keep up. I think people are, 
I keep saying I think, but people are underrating the Vols a little bit going into the season, but I, it just doesn't really matter in this one. I think West Virginia is going to put up 40 points or so and kind of run away with it. Any other games this weekend you're interested in, Chris? As just as like a normal fan, yeah, I'm interested in a few. Uh, I definitely want to see Trace McSorley in his first game, uh, kind of holding his own against a really good Appalachian State team. I think people are uh, really jumping off Penn State a little bit with Saquon Barkley leaving, but that's still a really good team. And, uh, but yeah, there's certainly a couple other ones. I want to see JT Daniels at USC make his debut against Ooh, yeah. UNLV. I know it's not exactly a, a primetime opponent, but it'll be fun to see a true freshman step into that spotlight. And then, uh, yeah, it's going to be a really fun opening weekend overall. Uh, oh, by the way, sneaky one. UTSA against uh, Arizona State. Watch out for the uh, Roadrunners and an upset there against Herm Edwards in week one. Ooh, I like it. All right. Chris Hummer is National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports. You can find him on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, man.